What are you doing to engage the issue? Or are you just sitting on your couch moping? Because that's not healthy either. You are accepted. You are loved. And they just don't see it. You're listening to 1A, a podcast from First Presbyterian Church, Episode 10. This week, we conclude our interview with the women in ministry about the issue of worldly desire in women's lives. I'm Josh Squires, the Minister of Counseling and Congregational Care here at First Press. Welcome to the 1A, a podcast designed to look at how we apply biblical principles in our day-to-day lives. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for coming. We hope this ministry is a blessing to you and those around you. For more information, you can check us out at our website, which is firstprescolumbia.org forward slash 1A. That's firstprescolumbia.org forward slash 1A. You can find all our episodes there, as well as links on how to subscribe. If this is a ministry that you enjoy, then we'd appreciate it if you'd subscribe and leave us some comments. The more people who subscribe and leave feedback for us, the easier it is for others to find our podcast. We welcome back Beth Ann Sample, Hannah Stevenson, and Emily Woodard. We'll discuss the importance of being known, the common experience of rejection, and some of the roots of perfectionism. Our first series is coming to a conclusion soon, and we'd like to wrap up with a feedback episode. So if you have any questions for me or Dr. Thomas, we'd love to hear from you. You can call, text, tweet, or email your comments, questions, or concerns. For all of our contact information, check our website. Now, let's get to our interview. Right now we're focused on women's issues, but I think these two areas are just human issues where we want to be valued, we want to be liked, um, and we want to have the kind of perfect life. What do we do with those? H- how do we control those desires? How do we take them from world-shaped to cross-shaped? What are maybe some tangible things that we can do and implement in our lives? How can we be encouraging to one another uh, through this issue? We're not told. We talked about this with students in the sense of, in the area of having relationships. This is our middle school director, Beth Ann Sample. That you would have at least one or two good friends that, that no matter what, know, know who you are behind whatever guys you would put up. Um, or that you should have some sort of guys that you put up, but that there'd be one or two people that know you for who you really, like the true character, that that'd be a good building block, especially with... In middle school, high school relationships, it's like you, these might be the first friends that you ever tell, I struggle with blank, or I don't like this about me and I am struggling with that. Hmm. Uh, I think that with that age, and it's true, I mean, we have friends who still don't, I mean, there are still women who don't know how to, to say those words hmm. to each other at any age, but I think that's a that's just like a small kind of stepping stone that we see in student ministry, but yeah. Can I ask a follow-up question? You said one or two friends that sound like they can really know you at a genuine, um, Mm -hmm. authentic, if you want to use that word, uh, level. Why just one or two? Um, I, I think I see people trying to go the other way and they just want to be genuine or authentic with everybody. And it can kind of freak people out to try and be at that level with all people all the time. So, so why why do you give the advice of just one or two? I think that eventually you could be, I mean, I, 
you could be really... There are people I know that are genuine with everyone. I mean, it's a gift that they have of being genuine. But I think that when you're starting out to realize, I'm weak in this area of desire. I need to have people who hold me accountable. The whole world can't hold you accountable. All of Facebook can't hold you accountable. If you tell people, hey, my kid was screaming. And it also is kind of like a glorification of yourself in a backwards way. Like, I'm going to be honest and real, and you should respect me for being honest and real. Right. (laughs) But having one or two people that you meet with face-to-face, or even, I mean, it could be your small group or your Bible study, that you're able to just be real. Because otherwise, you're just, I think it's just, if you don't have that, then you're still living in this fictitious world. Like, no one really knows you. And that's really sad to think that there'd be people that you, that you're not really known by anybody on earth because you're known by the Lord. <laughs> um, well, in youth group and Bible study right now, we're going, we're talking about the story of Rachel and Leah. Mm-hmm. This is Beth Ann's high school counterpart, Hannah Stevenson. And it's very striking to me to hear the girls discuss um, Leah and, you know, the fact that she was the epitome of someone who is unloved and unwanted. Her husband didn't love her. Her father kind of just used trickery to get her <laughs> married. And and we see the Lord blessing her, even in her being hated. And so none of the girls that I deal with have experienced rejection like Leah did. But to kind of, but they all do. They all have experienced rejection in some form. And and it's sweet to point them to, to Leah and say, this is where Jesus came from. Jesus was born from Leah, from her line, this woman who is hated. And the Lord blessed her. Um, and to say, when Jesus came, he was unloved and he was unwanted. So, and, and he did this for us. So you never have to feel like, like if you ever feel um, unloved, if you ever feel like you don't have any friends or your parents are just never going to be um, happy with you or proud of you, then while that is really hard, like take, take your view off of yourself and look to Jesus because he, he experienced that exact same thing to an extent that you never, ever will have to experience. And you don't have to like look for your savior and, and your parents or in your friends or in boys because you have a savior. Um, and it's done like he's, you're saved. So, um, that's been really sweet to kind of work through with them. I was going to say just, a very practical way of starting to deal with some of these issues is forcing yourself to kind of identify the problem. And this is our women's director, Emily Woodard. And then, you know, figuring out kind of the root sin behind that problem. And so if it's um, feeling insecure, you know, is it pride that, that you feel like everybody should like you or appreciate you more than they do? Um, or is it just being discontent or, you know, whatever it is. I I remember years ago, a counselor kind of defining perfectionism for me. And it was really a mind blowing moment that, you know, I really didn't think I was, I struggled with perfectionism because nothing was perfect <laughs> about my life. But, you know, he kind of explained that perfectionists will put things off because they don't have time to do it the way they want to or it's not going to be exactly what they have in mind, so they're just not going to bother with it. And so me, for me, just recognizing that that was my issue and then what was behind it was sometimes just sloth of mm. not doing things because I, I didn't have time to do them the way I wanted. But and, 
and I guess a, a spiritually practical idea came to mind also just something that our Bible study is looking at right now is the Sermon on the Mount and using Dr. Sinclair Ferguson's book on that. He talks about um, in, in Matthew 6 when Jesus you know, is telling his disciples not to be like the hypocrites, not to be like the Pharisees. Um, he uses, he refers to God as the Father multiple times. And so his contrast there is that the Pharisees and the hypocrites have no relationship to God as their father. And so they're, they're seeing him only as a slave driver and they're putting burdens on people's backs to carry, um, to keep the law perfectly. And so the flip side to that is to remember that God is our father Mm -hmm. and that he's loving and that he wants what's best for us. And, um, you know, and that in so many ways he's met the standard, um, for us in obedience. And so, you know, not to let us off the hook, we're still required to obey and um, follow his commands, but just keeping a proper perspective of who God is as our father Mm. um, can really change the course of your thinking on a lot of this. Mm. And we talked about earlier about finding our value in uh, our identity in Christ. That's sort of the bedrock from which that we can operate and maybe it's not a magic wand. It won't take away all of this, but it might allow us to find some security in what otherwise a very insecure world. So I wonder, as you um, minister to middle schoolers and high school schoolers and then adult women, how do you practically get them to think about and to kind of cast themselves more and more on Christ for their value and for their identity? That's a good question that I actually do not know the answer to because I find myself meeting with girls one-on-one and, and I'll tell them these things and I tell them these truths and the, and they just don't hear it. Um, I think that, well, I know that a lot of it has to be the Holy spirit has to move in them and, Mm. and, and take off the blinders from their eyes because sometimes I feel like I'm just, you know, (laughs) bashing them over the head with these truths. And I'm like, you don't have to try so hard. Like you, you are accepted. Like you are loved. And, why can't you see this? And they just don't see it. And they're just sitting in their insecurities and just, you know, sin and they can't get themselves out of it. And I do, um, I, I just, I can pray for them and I can keep telling them these truths, but in the end, they're not going to see it until the Holy spirit breaks their heart, you know? So, right. The Holy Spirit has to be the instrument that applies this to their lives. Mm-hmm. right? I think there's a responsibility for women that have come to a point through the Holy Spirit's help where they feel more secure in their identity in Christ to share their story of that. And we see through the Old Testament where the nation of Israel was commanded to teach the next generation and remind them of what God had done. And so... We still need to do that um, when God works in our lives, when he when he gives us um, security and assurance in our relationship with him. We have a responsibility to tell others about that, to share our story in a way that would encourage them um, and maybe give them hope. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I, I, mean, I think that's actually really important that we are vulnerable enough, not just with our struggles, 
but also that people can see us on the opposite side of that when the Lord has really ministered to us. Dr. Ligon Duncan used to say that um, God loves us too much to make our struggles just about us. Right? That's about the whole community and allowing people to bear our burdens in that Galatians 6 2 way actually helps them and prepares them for their future struggles as well. So I think that's a, actually a really important point. And there's. There's something great about, I mean, going off what Emily said, the church not acting like it has it all together because we don't. And the more that the church and the body reflects, um, I mean, on these hard issues, I mean, it was Dr. Ferguson who used to say that, you know, we're, we're a hospital for like sinners. Like you come sick and and everybody's sick. And so, I mean, it's, you don't come with everything together. That's, it's pharisaical, I mean, in nature. And so I think that as the church, just, you don't want to embrace sin in the sense, but you do embrace the sinner and show them Jesus. And, and that means sitting under the preaching of God's word and sacraments and, and you, I mean, the Holy Spirit is, is present, is in all of it. You don't, we don't expect you to come to us with a perfect, being perfect. Um, In fact, if you do try to get off the air of perfection, we can call you out on it because we know that, that you're not perfect because we're not perfect. Jesus is. This idea of genuineness, it's come up a couple of times as we've had this discussion with our ladies in ministry. If you remember, We talked about it when we talked about social media and no longer being those who project our lives as being perfect. Emily just talked about it with the issue of perfectionism. And now here again, Beth Ann's talking about it as well. That The church needs to be those who are genuine. Now, in order for us to be genuine, it means dying to the idols that you and I have created in our hearts and in our minds. It means grieving some dreams and some ambitions Maybe the dream of the perfect family, the perfect career, the perfect household. And yet you and I are ones who are able to grieve as those with hope. We can apply scripture to our lives like Isaiah 55 that reminds us that God's ways are higher than our ways as the heavens are above the earth. And furthermore, we can trust him. We have a Lord and Savior who knows what that's like. He knows what it's like to be in the garden on the eve of his own death and to be able to say, not my way, but your way, O God. So it means letting go of some of those dreams that have reached to the place of idols in our hearts and in our minds. Now, Beth Ann also talked about us being genuine as a church. Uh, She quoted Sinclair Ferguson, who talks about the church being a hospital for sinners and, and not a museum for saints. That is, we all come in broken and hurt. You heard Hannah talk about if you come in and you try to act as if you're perfect, we'll know that it's just a sham. Because everyone knows that we're imperfect. We sin and fall short of the glory of God. And we sin every single day. I often encourage people, let's act as those who are putting it together. Not as those who have it put together, not as those who walk in and everything seems to be perfect, nor as those who put it aside, those that don't care about trying to put on the righteousness of Christ and be more and more like him. 
but those who are putting it together, who try to take Scripture and apply it to our lives. Sometimes that means coming into church even though uh, you feel rushed, even though you've had fights with the kids, even though your hair isn't perfectly styled or your clothes aren't perfectly pressed. Sometimes it means being vulnerable in a Bible study or in a Sunday school and asking genuinely for prayers and help, even for something that can feel vulnerable and difficult. It is when you and I show one another that we are at the end of ourselves and the grace of Jesus is pouring into us that our pain and fear becomes not only a place where we can be ministered to, but a place where we can minister to one another. Now let's get back to our interview with Hannah, Beth Ann, and Emily. Uh, as we wrap up, any words of encouragement for the ladies in your ministry areas? I would just say sometimes it's helpful to remember that there are seasons of life and another season is always around the corner. And so if you're at a point where you are insecure about something or you're discouraged because you don't feel like you have that person that knows you well, you know, pray about that and and wait for the Lord to work and be patient. And, and usually in the next season of life, um, things will look different. And so however it is right now in your life, um, there's always room for, for God to work and to improve. And, and because of the nature of a millennial culture and the generation, I think that there is kind of this, it you have to, it has to come to you or you think, all right, these two relationships, Lord, just pop them in my lap, you know, but you like have to make your effort on your end. Like, what are you doing to engage the issue? Or are you just sitting on your couch moping? Because that's not healthy either. You've been listening to 1A, a counseling ministry of First Presbyterian Church. We encourage you to listen to all of our episodes, which you can find on our webpage, which is firstpresscolumbia.org forward slash 1A. You can also check us out on all your favorite podcast applications, such as iTunes, SoundCloud, or Stitcher. If you like what you've heard, then subscribe. Also, don't forget to tell your friends and family about us as well. If you have comments, questions, or an issue that you'd like us to wrestle with, contact us. You can contact us via email at 1A at firstpresscolumbia.org. That's 1A at firstpresscolumbia.org. Or on Twitter, at 1A Podcast. That's at 1A Podcast. Or you can call us by phone, 803-281-1795. That's 803-281-1795. We look forward to seeing you next week and hope that this material has helped you to live out the gospel for each other and for the kingdom. Until then, God bless. Thank you.